Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, the podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times, everybody. That was a record-breaking new intro. I'm trying to save you time, save you money. Now, to give you some context for what you're about to get into, Benji and I had a conversation, and I feel like the conversation got a hold of us rather than the other way around. And it took us in a direction that I did not anticipate. And I think it's very insightful, okay? It sounds grandiose and perhaps a little hypothetical, maybe at times a little trite, but if you can really see the essence of what we're talking about, it is of intrinsic value, okay? Your decisions as an individual absolutely directly impact the collective experience of humanity. And we're formulating a new world. And it's either going to be a world that we are very happy to be a part of, one that's very, you know, filled with connection and vitality and opportunity and freedom, or it's going to be just more oppression, more confrontation and division and all this stuff. And it really depends on us. We cannot provide freedom if we ourselves are not experiencing freedom. So if you would like to learn more about how your decisions impact the world and how you can start to make better decisions that are healthier for you, healthier for the world, then join us today. Welcome back, everybody. Andrew Love in the house, along with my compatriot and comrade. Nice to have you guys. That's what we call each other if we become communists. Comrades. What? <laughs> so guys, today it's going to at times sound theoretical and grand and hypothetical, but it's extremely practical if we can explain it well and if you can yep. just have patience and listen to us, okay? If you can explain it to me, then we will succeed because you told me about it earlier and I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. Well, let's, you ha- okay. Let's go with it. <laughs> I will explain it very simply and then we'll go complicated from there or complex from there. Just so I can have you. I want you all along on this ride. Like, What's our hook? I, Cryptocurrency. Bitcoin's going to the moon. <laughs> no, the hook is there are two worlds that are formulating. And one is going to be the one that you're going to want to live in. There's another one. And neither one has been decided yet. They're both vying for dominance in our society. And the fate of our future collectively depends on how much we invest individually in our own personal freedom. There are many trends occurring. I've read a bunch of statistics recently. Number one, since this is America, I believe, since we've been collecting data, we're at a record low of women who are 30 who have kids. This is like the all-time record of like no woman who's 30 years old has kids, hardly, compared to the past. There's also record low numbers of cohabitation, of marriage, of people having sex even, of just like Mm. anything (laughs) other than porn and sitting in your room. So there's some like some very clear trends, and it's not trends that are lending themselves towards creating radiant, blessed families. That's our goal, right, is to Mm. help people to create the family of their dreams so that they can really have the fulfilling life that we all deeply want, but it's taught to manage, obviously. If it were easy, then everybody would be doing it, whereas everybody's not doing it. Most countries are not even producing enough kids, okay? So that's just like the groundwork to where there's these trends that are arising. Now, if you look at the world at large, there's a giant debate and there's resources being allocated in two directions. One, which is centralization, centralization of power, of money, of all things, that there's a few people who manage everything. 
They are the ones who say, okay, we're going to go to war. They're the ones that say, here's how much money you're allowed to have. Some countries, it's like, you only make so much before you get taxed out the yin-yang. This is all decided by a few people. It's not decided by the, the masses, the majority of people. It's, there's a few people who are making all these you know, decisions. It's like, even within a church, there's like headquarters, right? And if headquarters makes too many decisions, they're going to make the people who they're making decisions for angry. Because it's like, when do we get to make decisions for ourselves, right? So there's this epic battle. The opposite of that is decentralization. And that's when people are able to, like you and I, can exchange money in a decentralized world. So that's crypto. Ideally, they're not there yet, but I can just send you 20 bucks because I want to. And it doesn't have to go through a bank or anything. It's just like from my invisible crypto wallet to your invisible crypto wallet. That's really cool because in history, there's typically middlemen, if not a king who takes everybody's taxes as a government or a pharaoh or something, right? But we're entering this potential new era when I could send an email to somebody in Japan without Gmail. It's through, there's, they're creating emails on the blockchain and all this cool stuff. So we don't have to ask Gmail, oh, Gmail, can I please send an email to my friend? It's like, no, just boom. Because <laughs> that, that's how it's like right now. <laughs> well, it is. If you say the wrong thing, you can get censored in, in all sorts sure. of social media. Right. Whatever. I'm with you, yeah. Even in ideas, there's centralized power in social media. So anyway, there's a lot of people nerding out on the blockchain and all this. But what I'm getting at is we cannot build a new world of freedom unless we ourselves are free. You can't. It's not you're teaching from some kind of crazy hypotheticals that you cannot manage a society based on hypotheticals. You need to actually like be living in that space. So the work that High Noon is doing is actually largely trying to lift the burdens that people have so that they can be free to create this new world that we all desperately want. And you can attest to this. And I want to hear you. I mean, everybody's sick of hearing me at this point. We want to hear from you. You can tell that when somebody gets it with high noon, when it clicks, when they experience true freedom and they just simply don't need porn. They just like, I don't need, that's like centralized sexuality. It's like you own my sexuality because I need to go to you to feel sexual. That's how a lot of people are. They can't even like porn induced erectile dysfunction. Pied is like, I can't even have an erection without looking up porn. That means that you don't even have decentralized sexuality. That's mind blowing, right? But when we, you and I, when we work together with people and somebody is on the other side of that and they truly experience freedom from something else needing to be there in order for them to be happy, they are a different person. But so many people that we deal with give up somewhere along the way and they just kind of give in to the pressure of losing control. And they're like, I'll never experience freedom. And I think that you can see that in every part of society right now where there's a lot of people who, are, who believe and they're working desperately to create this new world. And then there's a lot of people who are like, why even try? Because it's been this way for so long. But we're on the precipice of this massive change. And I just kind of wanted to bring it up because sexuality has such a massive part in this new world, regardless of who's the dominant power of the day, right? Whether it's America, China, Russia, or some weird hodgepodge, like sex is always going to be a part of our life. And we either own our sexuality or we don't. Does this make you're sense? About, you're talking about decentralized sexuality what I'm talking about, baby, that it's autonomous and it's connected to your virtues rather than owned by a corporation. And I believe if you think about it and you think about a company as big as 
Pornhub, they own billions of people's sexuality. People mm -hmm. rely on them to put out new content so that they can feel sexually stimulated. That means that your sexuality is corporately owned. That's crazy, craziness, yeah. but it's true. It's truer than you think. I have a question about this whole centralized, decentralized thing. And I think that this is part of it is, is, and I have an opinion on what you just shared too. My question is, to what point is centralization healthy and helpful actually? Because if you think about it from, let's say, a principal perspective, there's certain merit and value to central figure and having centrality, right? And vertical alignment and God. Okay. So where does that play in, into this? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying, personally, I think that decentralization is helpful when the powers are, the centrals pow centralized powers are evil and self-centered, right? But if we have virtuous and high noon living leaders and companies and corporations and organizations, I think as a user of that company, I would be, it would be helpful, right, to me. So where does this balance play out, you think? Yeah, well, consensus is one thing. So there's people, but there'll always be characters that fit into any group of people. You get enough people together, you'll see certain archetypal people. There's people who are more outspoken and less outspoken. And we naturally seek leadership from those who naturally want to lead. There's people who naturally want to lead and there's people who naturally want to assist. Like there's like the number one mm -hmm. and then there's like a lot of number twos out there. <laughs> that sounds like bathroom code. But there's a lot of people who also just want to be a part. Of, they don't want to stand out too much. That's, I would say the majority of people just want to be a citizen. So you'll always have some sort of leadership, but true democracy is like, there's a feedback loop and there's the head. Like if you look at your body, like a democracy, there's some functions that like, if your heart stops, you're dead. If your brain stops, you're dead. So those are pretty important, but I, you wouldn't want to lose your arm. I mean, you wouldn't want to, you could survive without it if you need it. But they all need each other. Everything is an important, vital part of the human experience. The tip, like your father used to say, like, you know, your if your fingertip gets a needle put in it, your whole body feels it. That's how humanity is supposed to live like an organism. Any organism has it. Every component is necessary. And they're part of systems where every facet of the system influences the other systems. They're all interconnected. And that's humanity, but we somehow have lived devoid of that connection so that the people in charge will make decisions that, uh, okay, well, you guys are going to die or we're going to go to war with these people. And they don't feel the pain of those people because those, those are those people over there. Whereas like in a decentralized place, and there's a bunch of, you know, to get into crypto stuff, like there are really cool companies that are already like living this, they're creating this, like Cardano is a great example of this company that has thousands of people who are investing the best of themselves to create this decentralized means of production and communication, and they're solving problems together, not because of any other reason other than they just care. And there's a CEO of the company, but he's not, he's just reporting about what's happening and he's helping to lay out a vision, but he's not telling everybody what to do. So I think the construct of centralization is in the principle, it talks about the three object purpose. And this is like subject object, but those are meant to rotate constantly. Not an absolute subject for always who just tells everybody what to do, but like in a husband and wife relationship, there are certain times when I'm completely, I need to be objective to my wife. I need to be. She just knows more about certain stuff than I do. Typically, when my kids are sick, I defer to my wife because she's so much better at giving that nurturing love. 
But in other situations, I need to take charge because that's just more my skill set or it's more my character. And so I think that when you have a dynamic society, then everybody's taking turns when it makes sense for them to take turns. And if there's multiple people who it makes sense for, then you elect the person that makes the most sense. That's true democracy. And I think that's the world that we're vying for. But again, when it comes to sexuality, and that's what this podcast is about, not about my... <laughs> Cardano. <laughs> pumping, we're pumping Cardano here. Um, yeah, to the moon, bro. It's understanding that you cannot claim to be like, oh, we're going to live in this beautiful world. Because this is true of re our religion too, our faith. It's like, oh, you talk about this idea of channel gook. Well, what bags are you bringing? Because you're not going to be bringing, you know, you're not going to pack resentment in your suitcase if you're going to this place, this, this, this beautiful place. You're not going to be bringing, I don't know, like separatism. You're not going to be bringing a lot. And one thing you're definitely not going to be bringing is some messed up sexual stuff. Because imagine you were diving into some place in the world. You're in some jungle and you meet the ideal society that's been yeah. formulated. And you come with some weird sexual stuff, that's going to mess up their whole yeah. society. So it sounds to me like there's the two sides of the arguments are very polarizing, which gets attentions and headlines, but they're also not the answer, right? And I think usually when we think about policies or regulations, it either has to be this or that, you know, it's us versus them. But it seems like there is a balanced approach to this. There's like a middle ground. There's a lateral option, which is more balanced, it seems, more give and take. And ultimately, if every individual involved has ownership and integrity and values and is not hypocritical, right, then the whole system seems to work. We talked about your relationship with your wife. I think for me, in my life, the example is being a parent or any parent-child relationship, if the parent-child relationship is dominating and the parent is just saying like, I know everything, everything I say you must do because I'm your parent, it doesn't work. It's not yeah. a give and take. It's not a reciprocal relationship, but a parent-child relationship where we both know that we're growing. We both know that admit when we make mistakes. And as a parent, I know that I'm learning from my child about how to develop as a person. And it's like when you talk to a parent and a child that are struggling, and I've talked to so many parents and children who are having difficulty in the relationship, you ask them, what do you want? What do you want in this relationship? Almost always they say, I just want better communication. I want more honesty on both sides, right? So if both parties want the same thing, then what's going on? What is the king in this system? It's really lack of communication, lack of give and take, lack of clarity about that, and just kind of running away from that in fear. But essentially, everyone wants the same thing. So this seems to be like a need for a balance. And about the hypocrisy thing like that, for personally, that is what bothers me the most with any system is that with the example of sexuality, we have people who are, you know, so gung ho about absolute sex and sexual integrity and just really frustrated and outraged at the system and the porn industry and all that. But if we look at the stats, it's like clearly more than 90% of men and somewhere between 50 and 75% of women are struggling with porn on an ongoing basis, right? Even in our movement, I heard recently on from two different blessing interviewers, people that interview people before they go to the blessing and get married. One was a female and she said that of all the people that she's interviewed for their blessing interview, only one female told her that she never struggled with porn only one out of many yeah and so that says to me like we have these values we have this ideal but most of us are not living it so who are we to say you know the, the system this or system that until we actually get our own act together our own families together until we're and free it's, it's yeah so we're free it, it's almost like it's crazy that we don't talk about it more honestly well just what identifying what true freedom is right that's i, I think that's at the end of the day, what, what I wanted to talk about with this podcast and, yeah. and have this conversation with you is 
whatever world is being created through every conversation that we're having, through all of our interactions, there's no way that we can create a better world than we've ever experienced without becoming better humans than we've ever experienced. There's just no way. It's such a clear, it's not like the world happens first and then we fix ourselves. It's like, no, as fixed, healthy, whole people, we will then create the world. It's from the inside out. It's always from the inside out. And we cannot blame the world around us. It's not these systems. The systems are there because we feed them. Mm -hmm. Pornhub exists because people visit it. A lot of people visit it regularly, right? But it would not exist. It would cease to exist if everybody collectively stopped showing up. It cannot exist without us, without our participation. So if you think about that, there is this clearly egregious entity that exists by willing participation, right? There's Pornhub, right? We know that they're in class action lawsuits up the wazoo from all of there's child porn on there. There's so many videos on there that people didn't want up there. They were like revenge porn where some like an ex uploaded porn of them and they didn't give that consent and Pornhub won't take it down. Like all sorts of, so every time you participate with that or entity, you're participating with all sorts of horrendous stuff right? Mm -hmm. But yet people are still going to that. So conversely, if we were to take that and replace Pornhub with something really healthy, where we connect and where we support each other, where we love each other, where we listen to each other, right? Some alternative version to what Facebook wished it could have been, <laughs> right? Where we actually love each other. That changes everything. They're talking about billions of views per year. So, love, or, you know, participation. Hub. So imagine how much time is spent on this website, how much better that would five be. Five billion hours per year. Five, five billion hours per year. Five billion hours per year. It's a simple reallocation of time and energy, right? And it's a decision that everybody makes every single day that visits that, that why not go to an alternative? So of course, this is this grand hypothesis of like, well, what if Pornhub was just replaced by something easier? It sounds, you know, a little bit flaky and a little bit too easy, but that's what I'm saying is that every single time that individuals make the decision to opt out and to focus on something else, they're taking power away from that entity and they're formulating something new. And in order for humanity to ever find itself in a better position, we have to unplug from all these unhealthy systems and start to create new systems. And you will only truly understand what I'm talking about when you are free, because it does sound really ridiculous and hypothetical. But you and I know, like we haven't watched porn in a really long time. Like that energy is now used for other things. We can do things like this podcast. We can invest in people. We can look people in the eye when they're struggling and not be worried about them finding out that we're struggling too. We can put our attention on them, right? We can put our love onto them because we have the bandwidth that we've created by not participating in that stuff. So yeah. whatever world we want, it's definitely going to include interactions. It's definitely going to include a lot of support and it's definitely going to include time spent with others. So why don't we start doing that now instead of wasting our time and energy feeding old broken systems that have only destroyed humanity? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like the debate about is porn actually harmful if it's done mildly or whatever. In moderation. Five billion hours per week, per year on one website. Like if you're listening to this, do some math, do a calculator. That's 600,000 years of straight porn. So that's 600,000 years of one person watching porn straight for 600,000 years without sleeping. Imagine what that one person could do or collectively could do with that amount of time. It could become so animals. The, <laughs> the opportunity cost is way bigger than I think anything else, really.
But plus, it's just simply not possible for you in your own life to have what you want when you continuously are feeding what you don't want. That's just a basic fact. But if you scale that to the size of humanity, that if we all just stopped wasting our time and energy doing a bunch of stuff that we don't want and started doing what we were meant to do, things get real juicy. But you can't expect that to happen on a macro unless we can do it on a micro, which is us. So your recovery, at the end of the day, the message is your recovery really, really, really matters. It really matters. And I heard this really smart, this guy who's both a psychologist and a statistician talking about, he's studied mechanisms, like uh, human-made mechanisms, like societies and stuff like that. And he said that there's no system that has ever been created where one small part didn't impact the entire mechanism. So if you're a part of a society, which we all are, your small part actually impacts the entire society in one way or another. So your recovery really, 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 really matters a lot. Like not just in some yay team kind of way, but in a legitimate, like you are helping other people to make strides in their own recovery with your recovery. So it's a big deal. Keep at it. Start defining. Imagine what the world would look like. This is part of the North Star Goal exercise. What is the world that we're striving for? If you don't have a clear idea, then somebody else is going to create that for you and pitch you. Like, I've got an idea for the best world ever. It includes me being your master. Yay! <laughs> right? That'll always happen when there's a void. But if we have a real strong sense of like what needs to happen, and then we start investing in that, that world will come about for sure. I think one thing we touched on earlier that I think is helpful for people who are trying to do this recovery thing is that when you do access those the porn industry and you do indulge, it's a choice. Yes. That is actually a choice. That is a physical decision you're making. There's nothing that's forcing you to launch your browser. There's nothing that's forcing you to go to a website or whatever. It's literally you deciding that the benefits of keeping this habit with you right now are better hypothetically or apparently than getting rid of it. So you decide to keep it with you. And when you make that understanding and mental shift that it's not controlling you, yes, it may be an addiction. Yes, it may be a habit, but it's a habit that you're deciding to keep with you every time. And your brain is tricking you into believing that you need this in order to survive, in order to cope with life. That's what addiction is. But the truth of the matter is that it, porn only subtracts from your life. It does not add anything of value. And when you realize that, it becomes easier to quit because we can throw all the stats at you. And we, what we found is that statistics don't actually move people to change. They don't. Yeah. You know, if you, for most people, if you tell them the egregious things that are happening in the porn industry and child abuse and all this, it's like, oh man, that's tragic. But you still decide, <laughs> right, to indulge. So that means that you haven't really identified that this is affecting you in such a profound way. But yeah. it is. That's the thing, you know. That's what we're talking about. Yes, impacting you. And it's also every moment that you spend in the dark side, you're feeding that dark alternative world that's fighting and vying for real estate over the entire world. But every time you resist that and invest in doing something meaningful, you're helping yeah. to create that other world that we all want. So that's your vote. That's the vote of your time and energy that you're investing in. So again, I, I speak sometimes in grand statements and it doesn't always help. Sometimes it's actually counterproductive, but it is actually extremely, no, well, it's yeah. just, it's very practical that, you know, the collective habits of people, which is just a bunch of individuals doing stuff in tandem, really impacts what society thinks is natural, normal, healthy, right? And so if we think that spending your time doing productive things, connecting with other people, praying, this kind of stuff, then that becomes the normal. So anyway, please 
consider where your time is being spent and how that's impacting which future emerges. The yeah. good one where we all are free, <laughs> that future is made up of free people. Speaking of, I did start an, a TikTok account. I absolutely hate it. It's horrendous. But I'm going there. I'm going to the pits of hell to save the people that are there to bring them to the light. <laughs> Good luck, bro. As soon as Metaverse is a thing, I'm going to jump in there. And we're going to have conferences. I'm going to have webinars. And you can jo join me live. And I'll take you out <laughs> and meet you in the real world. You'll, you'll yeah. bet Uncle Dave will want to do a Metaverse 24-hour global hunting summit or something like that in like 10, 20 years from now. Oh, I hope it's not going to be that long. They're already having concerts in the metaverse. Yeah, didn't you hear this one dude had like a 24 million people concert? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this DJ. So it's happening, bro. Anyway, everybody, thank you for listening. This is a bit of an oddball, but please understand that we're talking about very cosmic level stakes here. And your decisions are helping to push humanity in one direction or another. So I hope that gives you more motivation to fight for the good side, to push humanity towards the place where it's destined to be. We're going to eventually end up there. It's just how much more are we going to allow ourselves to struggle as a collective civilization? So every time you resist and you put your energy into something good, you're helping humanity get there faster. So thank you so much, Benji. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. God bless your faces and your minds and your hearts and your souls. Adios. Hey, Andrew Love here. And I wanted to plant a seed in your mind before you go. You see, a lot of people, when they start to consume our content, they listen to our podcast, they watch our videos, they read our blogs, they start to believe in the idea of freedom as a possibility for them and their lives. And it is. You can break free from porn. You can build amazing, eternal relationships. But it requires you to make the jump. It requires you to commit to transformation. And that only happens when you invite other people into your journey. You see, a lot of people think that because I got into porn by myself, I can get out of it by myself. And that's the wrong thinking. It's not about simply removing a negative force from your life. It's about creating fulfillment and connection and intimacy with other people. So we really recommend first and foremost that you build a team of accountability partners, facilitators, group members, and we can do that. We have all that waiting for you, but you need to first reach out to us. If you already have people in your life that you think can help you, we have online courses that will teach you both how to create a dynamic that works in terms of accountability. But if you don't have an accountability partner, we already have volunteers who are waiting for somebody to help. We have groups that are waiting for somebody like you. But your role and your job is to merely reach out to us and we can work together with you to create a powerhouse team so that you can build the life of your dreams. We look forward to hearing from you.